Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome, welcome. Today's campfire conversation is going to take us to the other side of the world, to the country of New Zealand. This is a country that has always carried a lot of mystery for me personally. It consists of two islands about 1,200 miles from Australia with a landmass about the size of the state of Colorado. Yet when we look at travel images of the country online, we see snow-capped mountains, we see gorgeous lakes and beautiful beaches. New Zealand was one of the last land masses on earth to be settled by humans. Wikipedia calls it a developed country that ranks highly in international comparisons of national performance, such as quality of life, education, protection of civil liberties, government transparency, and economic freedom. So I admit in preparation for this, uh, for this talk today, I had to look up which of the seven continents New Zealand was part of. <laughs> and uh, it turns out that it's none of them. It is part of a separate submerged continent called Zealandia. And uh, perhaps someday we'll see an eighth continent listed in the, in the school textbooks. But today we're gonna talk with my very good friend, Rob Lockman, who I have known for close to 20 years. Rob and I have been on a few of our own adventures together. But back in 2019, right before COVID-19 began to spread, Rob answered a calling to travel to New Zealand by himself. And he's here to tell us that story. Rob, welcome to the campfire. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yes, sir. So I have to share a funny little story. So we've known each other for 20 years. And the first time we met, you were actually Kenny Rogers. <laughs> True story. <laughs> True story. We were at a Halloween uh, costume party. And uh, you introduced yourself as Kenny Rogers and you and you definitely looked the part. So, yeah, um, but we live here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, I tell you, let's just jump right in. I want to I want to hear just a little bit about um, what life looks like for you here in, in Charlotte. Sure. So um, as I recall, I think you were Don Ho at that party. Just <laughs> I wanted to put that out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so. I've lived in Charlotte for just over 20 years at this point, um, lived in the same house for, wow, 14 already, um, have three kids, uh, work at a major bank and major employer here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you can take your pick of which one of those is. And I work as a product manager. Um, I do, in my free time, I coach my kids' soccer team, uh, play some adult softball as a um, reason to generally go drink a beer afterwards um, and really enjoyed riding bikes and just living the dream here in my little streetcar suburb um, here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So living the dream here in Charlotte, but, but two years ago, just about two years ago, right about now, maybe, maybe a couple of months shy, but, but you had this calling to, to go to New Zealand and you, uh, and you jumped on a plane and you went and uh, most people wouldn't just get on a plane and go across the world. Uh, by themselves. So um, for the listeners, tell us, like, can you just kind of break down that trip for us? What what, what was the, uh, where'd you go? What'd you do? Sure. So, I mean, I think the first thing is I do have to 
thank my employer for giving me what a sabbatical. Um, been at my employer for a long time, and they instituted a sabbatical program where they were giving people four weeks paid sabbatical. Um, you had to take it all at once. There was no choice. You either took it or you didn't. Um, so it was a little bit stringent, but it was kind of like get out of here and go do something, not this bank for a while, which is really awesome from an employee standpoint, right? Like, so I think that, but when you have an opportunity like that, especially as an American, we don't have generally that much vacation. You, or at least I did, I felt like I needed to do something somewhat epic, right? Like yeah. I needed to do something big um, that wasn't just go, you know, sit on a beach, you know, in South Carolina for a month, right? Like I wanted to do something kind of splashy and big. Um, and my wife was generous enough to say, no, go do you for two weeks and then we can do, you know, our, all the Christmas stuff. So we happened, I happened to leave right around Thanksgiving. Um, in fact, I spent Thanksgiving in New Zealand, which that's kind of a funny story. Maybe I'll get to that in a minute, but took off from Charlotte, packed it up and went out on my own for a big trip for the first time since I traveled um, Europe as a kid. Like it's how old was I? 22 maybe when I was in Europe. So for the first time. So um, it felt a little bit like that. Uh, a lot of times I was out kind of just on my own pretty quickly. I will say uh, the jet lag on that long of a flight is real. I got through the customs. I got my little rental van and everything was good. And then I got a few miles down the road and realized I am really tired. And it's like three in the afternoon or something how, like how this. How long is that trip? And, and uh, like, well, how many stops do you have to take to get there? <sighs> I almost have to look it up. It's really long. I mean, it's what, four hours out to LA, give or take. And then it's probably, it's probably another 12, maybe might even been 14 hours. Um, out to New Zealand. I mean, it's out there. Yeah. Um, you know, Australia is too, but, um, but it's, it's so when you're flying, one of the funniest things like that I noticed is the whole night you're just in, like, if you, if you're used to flying, you like ever have like the seat back computers or whatever. And like, you look at the, uh, the maps and like what you're flying over, you're just flying over the blackness of the Pacific for pretty much the entire <laughs> night, which is wild. But like, you're just out there, man. Yeah, that that's, oh man, you just, you're, you're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So like, then what's the, what's the time difference? You're, you're traveling for, I mean, sounds like almost a full day. And then when you get there. Yeah. So you cross, you obviously cross the dateline, right? So right now in New Zealand, it's quarter to 10 in the morning uh, okay. tomorrow. You know, and I basically when I when I'm having fun with my buddy Grayson, who's from over there, um, I'll say, you know, how's tomorrow? Like, like, can, <laughs> can you predict the future? Can you predict the future for me? You know, yeah. like eight, yeah. 18 hours or so. Traveling, um, to the, traveling to the future. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you you said um, when you got there, you got your little travel van. I want to hear about that because that's like that's part of the trip here. Yeah. So there's a huge. um part of the New Zealand culture is very camp oriented, right? Like they really do enjoy getting out there and, and really taking in the country, right? Like one of the biggest vacation things to do in New Zealand is to actually go um, get a camper van, maybe a trailer and go camp. Um, so the cool thing about it from a tourist perspective is there's lots of rental options. Um, and I found one called Mad Campers, uh, which was has, I think, locations in Christchurch 
and Auckland. And um, they have just two little varieties of trucks. The one that I ended up getting is kind of this really unique little Honda that's probably, I'd say that they're probably, I don't even remember the name of the model because it's a Japanese model. It was never available here, but it's kind of like a little micro minivan. Mm -hmm. And um, what they had done is they had taken out all the seats on the passenger side, which fun fact um, for Commonwealth countries is on the opposite side for what Ah. we have. So anyway, it was on the, what we would call the driver's side, but they basically made a seat, basically made a um, bed out of that whole area. And then you had the driver's seat and then it's space. And then the original third row seat, or at least half of that original third row seat was in there. Um, and then had a little kitchen in the very back. So like, if you lifted up the lift gate in the back, there was a little sink and you could pull out like a, a little burner stove. Um, and there's even, there was even a toilet. I didn't actually ever use the cassette toilet, but it was there. So anyway, so it's big, a big thing there culturally is to camp out. And when I got there, the folks put me onto like two apps that said, all right, here's basically between these two apps, you're going to be able to find every campground in New Zealand. And then some, um, there's almost kind of, there's this one, and I can't remember the name of it. That's almost like an Airbnb sort of situation. It's literally like people let you just pull up in their driveway for the night yeah, or something like that. Um, so, so culturally it's really big. It's very well accepted that people are going to go around the country. And I think it's, it's interesting, like if you think about what's happened here in the States in the last year or the last 18 months is people have decided, hey, let's go camping, right? Like, I mean, I think it's yeah. it, whether it's in an RV or whatever, I mean, it's I'm, I'm kind of excited because it feels like people have kind of rediscovered that and wanted and started thinking about doing their own trips to, you know, not only the big parks, but just even the stuff around, you know, like locally here in Charlotte, where you've got the Smoky mountains and you've got the URA national forest. And like, there's some good camping, very close. We're very lucky. We have a lot of great camping around here. Yeah. And you just kind of forget about it, right? You get in your day to day and you just kind of forget about it, but it's a big part of their culture. So it's actually really easy to go kind of wherever you want in one of those campers um, and find a place. So there's like a lifestyle associated with, and this, this thing's not, not really an RV, right? I mean, this is a converted van that's got enough space for one. Yeah, it's, it was tiny. I mean, it was really little, but the cool thing was about it for me is it was plenty big enough for me and it wasn't so big and cumbersome. So New Zealand has a lot of really narrow roads, right? Like you, one of the things that if you ever go there as an American, you'll notice right away is that they don't have big three, you know, three and four lane highways all over Mm -hmm. the place, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. just the idea of what we have, their roads are just generally narrower and more windy. Um, they're not very straight. There's only a couple of sort of freeway ish, uh, roads in the entire country. So, so being in a top heavy vehicle, right. That is bigger than I needed was something I really wasn't looking for. Right. Like I didn't want to be driving on the wrong side of the road, right. Um, on the wrong side of the vehicle with something that was, you know, like, Chevy suburban size, right. And weight. Right. So, or, or, or bigger. Right. So I think that was, that was a great, that's part of the reason I like that little setup so well is because I didn't need any more space. It was just me. And it was, you know, it was a small, it, at the end of the day, it was a small car. You could take it and put it anywhere. Right. Like it was not a pain to park it in any parking lot yeah. you ever found. It was always easy to camp with. Like it was just great. So did you do the, the sort of Airbnb parking driveway thing, or did you like, what, like, where were you, where were you parking at night? 
So I did a lot of different things. The other thing that there's a lot of in New Zealand is there's a lot of free camping. So like, if you think about the West here in the United States, right? Like if you're on um, bureau land out there in the, in the West, you can just kind of pull over and camp anywhere, right? Like there's no real restrictions. Um, it's not quite like that in New Zealand, but there's an awful lot of like parking lots and like, or parking lots at a state park that happens to have like mm -hmm. a toilet there or whatever. There's a lot of free camping if you can find it. And, and that's why you use those apps, right? Cause they'll point it out and they'll say, look, there's free camping here or, you know, and then there's a lot of places where you can camp and even have like access to showers and a lot of different stuff for, you know, what, like 20, 20, yeah. $25 New Zealand or whatever. So it's, you know, 15 bucks a night or whatever. So, um, that's how you use those apps, man. You just, that's kind of how I figured it out. But the first, so the first day, um, I actually did do an Airbnb cause I was so fried that I couldn't get my yeah. brain to work and figure out where I needed to go. And that was fun. But then the rest of the time I was in that camper. So, um, I mean, you just kind of, I just kind of went, man. I mean, I just didn't even have much of a agendas, which was kind of awesome. That's what just, I love about this. It's just, you just took this trip and there was just freedom to it. It was just like, let's just go. And you're, you know, learning how to drive on the other side of the road. You're in this van, you're by yourself. I mean, what, what is it like? Did you experience any like fear or doubt or like what was, what was going on those first couple of days when you first got there? So I will say the one thing about, obviously New Zealand is that you don't have a language barrier there, right? Like mm -hmm. sure. They might say some things kind of funny and you're going to end up eating a meat pie or two because they're delicious. Why <laughs> they're not here. I don't know. But, um, but it's so close, right? Like it's so culturally similar to us that it's really, that's easy, right? Like that fear for me, that fear gets higher when you're in a place where you're not a native speaker, right? Like you, you're, you know, like if you go to Europe, right? Like most of Europe, yeah, it's similar, but you don't, you can't speak the language. You're going to maybe struggle to get around a little bit as a result of that. It's part of the reason I've never been besides the just overall size. I've never really been to Asia per se. Like I've never mm -hmm. been to Japan or China or yep. um, any of those countries because of sort of that, that, that true is truly is kind of a fear factor for me. Like it's, is not, not being able to speak those languages yeah. um, is tough as a tourist. So um, let's just real quick, like, can you talk about like the terrain that you covered and, you know, were there any highlights about the, about the, you know, the, the kind of the country and, and sort of the ground that you covered? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, probably the first thing I did, but you know, after that Airbnb was I actually went to Hobbiton, which, sounds cheesy and touristy and kind of is right. And for, you know, most Americans, you're going to have some relation to New Zealand via those movies, right? So the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies, there is a permanent, what they used in the Hobbit movies is now a permanent tourist attraction um, in the Hills, kind of in the center central area of uh, the North Island. And Again, you think it's going to be cheesy and silly, but it's gorgeous. Like you it, really, go it blew it. me away. You yeah. got, I mean, you really, you got to, right? Like in it's, and it's really kind of the gardens. Like it really feels like somebody lives there and it's somebody who's really proud of their garden. Like 
and so you do kind of expect to see a hobbit pop out of one of those doors yeah. i mean if to you're gonna go harry potter at disneyland right you gotta go uh, to see the hobbit in new zealand too right yeah i mean it and this is this is very different in that it's very it's it's exactly the sort of pastoral thing that that they want you to believe the shire and the hobbit is right like it's yeah. it they nailed it um it's really hilly um you know the tour's a little silly but it's fun like it was just That's i fun. was shocked at how cool it looked um but at the end of that trip after there is a beer at the end of it so if you're in the beer <laughs> I um, there's a theme coming here oh yes it's, it's a little thematic so I just started chatting this gal up and she said um that i should go down to gisborne i'm like well what's gisborne she's like well it's kind of this little town out on the um east coast it's a surfer town and I was like, okay, sure, let's go do that. Um, not knowing that it would take me another six hours <laughs> to get down there. Um, I just started driving. I was like, well, let's go to Gisborne. And um, I was, so you think you talk about the fear factor, since I had no idea where I was going really, or where I was going to end up that night, I had a vague idea. Um, plan was to go and actually get a permit and camp at this one beach. Um, but by the time I got down there, the agency had closed like it was like a state park agency or whatever and it was you know by the time i rolled out it was like 5 30 and they were done, they were done for the day and i was like uh oh now, now what um but i looked out and i just went up the road a piece and um found one of those free parking spots um that actually was sits right on a beach and it was gorgeous it was just incredible i was like how is there not a million people here and as i looked around it's it was really stark from the us because behind me was just this big rolling hill um really tall actually it's more and there was a sheep on it i mean there was no wow. no houses no nothing just sheep beautiful um and it was beautiful and there was probably you know on one end of the beach that i was at there was probably you know a dozen houses at that far end and then there's probably a dozen spots in that yeah. um in that little parking spot and it was mostly surfers and me so that, it was awesome was there, was there any concern of like you know going to sleep i'm in this van like any safety concern so that was my first night in that van and i think um you know it's something where you kind of wind yourself up the cool thing was the it, it had full blackout curtains so you like you, you like buttoned up these curtains into the windshield and all around the thing so it's fully private but yeah, I mean, you ne you never know. I mean, it's it, it is. I think Americans might be a little bit more paranoid than your average bear around doing stuff like this. Um, just parking in a parking lot, I think, and I think it goes back to that culture, right? That New Zealand has about camping, and you know, they're not going to mess with you, and there's no reason to. So the people interaction obviously is part of the trip while you're there, but then there's also a good amount of time that you're in this van by yourself. <laughs> what's like you know what what's going on in your head as you're driving like you know you're spending all that time alone i mean i just listen to music it's funny like because i don't drive that much on the regular like the the idea of a road trip is pretty infrequent for me these days um i don't have a long commute by design even prior to pandemic where my commute went from <laughs> my bedroom to my office even before that our my commute's like 10 minutes to uptown so um I just, it, it, it's kind of nice to just zone out, right. And just let your mind wander and either think about nothing or think about whatever you want. Right. Like it's, and I think that's part of the cool thing about the sabbatical idea, right? Like if, 
sometimes you don't like these days, folks don't even get away from work when they do go on vacation, right? They're worried about work or they're thinking about work the whole time. But man, four weeks is a long time. And, and eventually it just turns off. You just do finally stop thinking about it, which is glorious. It's, it's fabulous. I mean, I love that you said you just zoned out and just think about nothing. I mean, this, we live in a, a place here in our city where it's just, you know, going, 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 doing, doing, doing. And, you know, I love this concept of just zoning out and doing nothing. Yeah. It's, it's fun to just kind of be from time to time, right. Just kind of be yeah. in the space and take just it up from time to time. There you go. Yeah. So I guess that takes me to like, I, I want to talk about the, like that, that call to go. Cause you have, you know, you've got four weeks and you mm -hmm. said, I want to do something epic. I want to do something splashy, but you know, again, like most people aren't going to just get on a plane and go across the world. Um, so what is, what, what, what was it that called you to New Zealand? So I think it was curiosity, right? I mean, and it's, and it's those people connections, like you said, right? Like my connection to Grace and my connection to Jennifer, who both, you know, obviously love the country. It, it, it's a, what I would call a low barrier to entry travel place for Americans because everybody speaks English and the culture is so close that um, it's not literally like the biggest deal yeah. is driving on the wrong side of the road. And it was just really just kind of planning it out, right? Like deciding when was the optimal time to go? Um, when was, I mean, in, for, for my work, you know, we get into the second half of fourth quarter and it really slows down. Like there's just not people kind of give up on the, on the year and start, start putting stuff off until the next year for, for a great degree. So uh, I think it's, I think it was that, and it was really sitting down with my spouse and figuring out, you know, what's the optimal time to go. When is it going to be least cumbersome for you? Right. So obviously the holidays, you don't have to get kids to and fro to practice or to school, right? Like you've got days off of school. So, so the, the daily grind is a little different when you're in holiday mode, um, yep. which is obviously also a good thing, but that made that timing work out. And then from that point, you, you know, I had it in my head that I wanted to go do the camping thing. Um, I'm not even sure, honestly, not even sure where that idea came from. I just thought this will be great <laughs> and, and went and researched it online, found the place, found the mad campers place, decided that was what I was going to go with. Um, booked a plane ticket, booked the vehicle. Yeah. And then I didn't even like the ferry crossing stuff. I didn't even book until I got there. So like yeah. when I went across the South Island, I booked it like the day of or whatever day before, maybe. Well, you said curiosity and I love that word. Like, what do you, what do you feel like? What, what do you think you were curious about? I mean, it's curious about a different way of life, right? Like, I mean, as close as they are to us, they're still quite different. You know, I'll, it's, it's funny. Like I, I've been joking this summer that I've been working on my hobbit feet um, <laughs> because I've just been going around in bare feet and maybe flip-flops all <laughs> summer, like, because I don't have to go to work, right? I don't have to actually physically show up and wear, you know, hard shoes, which is lovely. So, but over there, right? Like the idea of no shirt, no shoes, no service just doesn't exist, right? Like there's, a, there's enough of this laid back and maybe some of it comes from some of the Maori heritage, like spilling over into um, the, the main culture. Um, but like <laughs> we went with Grace and we went to um, what they call a dairy, which is really kind of a little convenience store. And they would go, we went and got some ice cream and some, what they would call lollies, which is candy. And 
and we walked in in our bare feet because we can and yeah. nobody cared and it was like the like the biggest non-event at all but for me it was so foreign that was just that was so foreign um so i think you know new zealand is a lot more of a laid back situation they have um, <laughs> they have a saying that that is she'll be right which means eh, it'll be it'll be fine don't worry about it right like in that they use it for everything whether it's like it and it actually frustrates my friend jennifer quite a bit because like construction projects they'll be like that's eh, close enough right like it's they don't they don't really aren't really going for perfection most of the time which is really kind of refreshing but i could see how jennifer growing up here would be pretty frustrated with that as well what's, so what's the phrase again she'll be right she'll be right she'll, she'll be right, be right. Should be right. We'll use that one. I can't do that one. So, in the curiosity, you said a different way of life. So that was, yeah. So, you know, is it is it kind of a draw to like just go see what what else is out there? Is there something, you know, maybe that you were looking for that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's you know, I think that's what you do. What that's part of why I do travel. I mean, I don't know if other people are Mm -hmm. looking for the same thing, but I think it's just it's a comparison, right? Like being being a world citizen, you know, you have to recognize that the way we do things isn't the only way to do things, right? And it, and again, like as close as New Zealand is, it's not the same, right? Like, I mean, shoot, you could go to Canada and it'd be the same thing, right? There's going to be slight variations on how they do things versus how we do things. Um, you know, you go to Europe and it's, you know, it's not like there's a lack of cars, but there's a whole lot more bikes. Like if you go to Amsterdam or wherever, um, it's just a different, there's different ways to be in the world. Right. And I think that's, that's what the adventure is, right? Like just go try on, it's like, you know, it's like trying on a new way of life to a little bit of a degree, right? Like you just get, especially in a situation like I had where it was a little bit longer, I had a little bit more time and, and, and I just, and I like getting out there. I like being, I like being sort of inside normal life. Like I like going to, even when I'm traveling the United States, I'd rather go to a city most of the time than I would rather go to some resort. I'm just not a resort person. And maybe that's just my personality. Um, My idea of being in the world, as I described it earlier, isn't like sitting on a chair next to the pool with an umbrella drink in my hand. It's a little harder to be curious, right? It's a little harder to be curious in that environment. You go to a big city, there's lots of things that you can do to satisfy your curiosity. But I just have to, I just have to say the thing I really loved that you said is our way is not the only way. Yeah, that's that's right. And that's huge. That's a, that's a huge piece to what I think travel is all about. And I think you summed it up really well right there. I, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was just sort of some of the barriers to keeping you from going on the trip. And you started to talk about that a little bit, but like, was there anything like, did you have any doubts? Were there any, like, was there any point at which you were kind of like, nah, this sounds like this would be fun, but I'm, you know, I don't know if I can do this or, you know, did you have any resistance to pulling the trigger? I think probably the only resistance was it felt selfish, right? Like, and I think, you know, as a dad, as a regular guy, you know, it, it feels selfish, but you know what? Sometimes everybody needs that. Everybody needs that break to be yourself again for a minute, not, not be dad, but be Rob, right? Like, and, and just do exactly what you want to do. And, you know, my spouse and I have a good relationship that way. Um, I think we, we try to keep a balance in that regard. Um, she'll go do a girl's weekend or do whatever like that. 
from time to time. So um, not for, not that, nothing, anything as big and grand as this. But again, she doesn't have the sabbatical program and she's a working mom. So it's a little bit different for her. But I do think I do think that was probably the main thing. It, selfishness in the time, selfishness in the money that was going to get spent. I mean, it was literally just spending it all on me yeah. and nobody else. Right. And Christmas is coming up or whatever. Right. Like, um, not that my kids suffered that Christmas for, for anything as I can recall. I, I mean, I think it's a really, I think a lot of people can relate to that selfish, that selfishness piece. And I think a lot of people might choose not to go for that reason, but like, you know, I agree with you. You do've got, you, sometimes you do have to do the thing that you need to do to experience your own adventure and, and answer that call. Like, can, like, can you help like people that are listening? How do you get over that, that selfishness piece? <sighs> I mean, I got over it because my spouse was so supportive of it, right? Like she was, there was never any doubt. There was never any ambiguity around like, would I have some penance when I got back, right? Like, would I have to, like, would I have this ludicrous honeydew list that would last, you know, all the way till now or longer, right? So, I mean, I think it, it for me, it's that give and take that we have, and maybe not everybody has that. I mean, it's hard. I mean, there's, there's no easy way about it. If you're feeling selfish feelings, they're probably right. Right. Like, but at the same time, you just have to balance that out with how much you're giving to everything else, right? Mm -hmm. Like not your family, how much you're giving to your kids, how much you do give to your spouse on a regular basis, for goodness sakes, how much you give to your job. Right. Like, I mean, take a little bit back for yourself. I mean, you, you only get one shot at doing this and, and putting it off or, or being a martyr isn't going to do you any good either. Yeah. I think you just inspired a lot of people with what you just said, Rob. That's awesome. So when you got back from the trip, so you obviously had to fly back another day to get back. And after mm -hmm. you got over the jet lag, how did this trip change you? It's been two years. I, I think I want to ask that in two parts. Like, how did it change you when you first got back? And, you know, how have how have you been changed over the last two years? Or did you just sort of go back to the the same old? So I think I mean, I think the biggest thing is I recognize that that I want to travel with my kids as well. Right. Like I want to take them out. I want to expose them to something besides the four, especially now with COVID, right. The four walls that they grew up in and, you know, the community in which they're in and show them, you know, exactly what I described earlier, that there's different ways of going about life and that the one we have been raised in or chosen or chose us, you know, isn't the only thing that exists. So, um, you know, broadening them culturally, preferably kind of before like before they're in their 20s or whatever like i did right like i, I was pretty much a proto adult by the time i actually got out there and started doing things um i think that's the number one thing when i came back that i was dwelling on right like okay so how do i do this with my kids rob this has been awesome i uh, i got a couple of fun questions Sure. Um, and then, uh, and then we'll wrap up here, but, uh, you took this epic trip and uh, someday they're going to make a movie about it. And I want to know who's <laughs> going to play you. Oh, so I suppose I'd probably have to have Matt Damon play me. Uh, Matt Damon. I've been, okay. I've been, I've been told by people that I look like a fat, boring Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> so, and you know, and I, I did live in Boston for a minute. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Can you do the Boston <laughs> accent? Can you pull that uh, out? I can't do much of a Boston accent. Right. It's not very good anymore. All right. Very good. Matt Damon. And what's your movie going to be called? 
Um, uh, I want to say Get Out, but that's already taken. Also a good movie if you haven't seen it. Um, nice thriller. Um, probably Get Out There. Get, get I mean, Out There. Get Out There. How about She'll Be Right? <laughs> she'll, she'll Be Right would be a good one, too. Is there a movie called She'll Be Right? Uh, I think there's one called She's All That, but I, it's go. been a minute since I saw that one. <laughs> Man, thank you. Um, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I hope that you have been inspired today as much as I have. Hope that Rob's story has encouraged you to listen to that voice inside that calls you to go on your adventure because we want to hear your story next. So if you have a story to tell or you need a nudge, please send me an email. And until next time, go get outside. Thanks for listening. <laughs>